0: From the heart of our nation's capital, here's Family Research Council President Tony Perkins.
1: Welcome. Thanks for tuning in for a special Memorial Day edition of Washington Watch. We're not going to discuss today's breaking news. Rather, we're going to have a conversation about Memorial Day. And to lay the foundation for today's program, I'm actually going to start with our word for the day. Our word for today comes from Psalm chapter 11, verses 1 through 3. In the Lord I put my trust. How can you say to my soul, flee as a bird to your mountain? For look, the wicked bend their bow. They make ready their arrow on the string, that they may shoot secretly at the upright in heart. If the foundations are destroyed, what can the righteous do? Well, in this psalm, David considers the advice of friends to avoid the conflict. Don't get involved, it could be dangerous. Unfortunately, many Christians are getting the same advice today. Avoid the cultural conflict. You might get savaged in social media, and if you speak up, it could cost you business, your job, and your future. Well, see, David understood what was at stake, no less than the very foundations of society. We are faced with the same. Will we run from the conflict in fear, or will we trust in God and face that conflict? Our decision will determine the future of the very foundations upon which our nation rest well, what we're witnessing in our day is a deliberate effort to destroy the foundations of western civilization which were formed and established by biblical truth the foundations of the family our freedoms of religious expression of speech and of association are all being directly targeted now most christians are alarmed by what is happening in the country today and they should be when Children are targeted by a transgender ideology that seeks to confuse and ensnare them. When biblical truth is declared off-limits in government, expressions of faith make you a target. While all of this is true and it's troubling, there is reason to be encouraged, even hopeful. First, the foundations of our nation run deep which is why America continues to produce men and women willing to serve their country and others, often at high cost, even being willing to make the ultimate sacrifice of laying down their own lives. Why? Why Why would they do that? It's not for fame or fortune. We're going to have that conversation with our own Lieutenant General Jerry Boykin. He joins me for that conversation in just a moment. Well, the foundations of our nation are what have made this nation an exceptional nation. Now, I know the left hates the description of America as an exceptional nation. Why? What does that actually mean, and why is it important? We're going to talk with professor and author John Wilsey, who wrote the book on the topic, American Exceptionalism and Civil Religion, Reassessing the History of an Idea. He joins me a little later. And finally, another reason For Christians to be encouraged is that despite what the legacy media and others would have you believe, you are making a difference. Over the last decade and a half, thousands of Christian men and women have run for and have been elected to public office. From city council school boards uh, to Congress, they're making a difference. State legislatures and school boards are opening the doors that were nailed shut allowing, once again, the public expression of the Christian faith. We'll talk with Louisiana State Representative Valerie Hodges, one of those leaders, a little later here on Washington Watch. The website, TonyPerkins.com. If you miss any of today's program or you'd like to send it to a friend, you can find it archived at TonyPerkins.com, along with resources that will help you be an informed and engaged citizen. We set aside Memorial Day each year to pause and honor those who served our country and gave their lives in that service. When brave men and women embrace sacrifice for the United States, they are defending more than a border or a piece of land. They represent an ideal, a set of principles. And what is it about America that produces men and women willing to voluntarily enlist, and serve in military service, knowing that they will endure hardships, which include separation from family and and perhaps even dying for their fellow countrymen. As I said, it's not fame or fortune; it must be something else, something much bigger. Joining me now to discuss this is FRC's executive vice president, retired Lieutenant General Jerry Boykin, who spent. The last four years of his thirty-six and a half-year military career, serving as the Deputy Under Secretary of Defense for Intelligence at the Pentagon, he was also one of the original members of the U.S. Army's Delta Force. General, great to see you on this Memorial Day.
2: Well, this is a special day, Tony, and it's a particularly special just being on your program, General. I want to ask you a question because this marks this year marks the fiftieth
1: anniversary of an all volunteer force. It was in nineteen seventy three. Then-Secretary of Defense uh, Melvin uh, Laird announced that the U.S. military going forward would be an all-voluntary force. Fifty years later, I think that proved to be a very good decision. However, today we're starting to have some difficulties when it comes to filling the ranks of our military. Um, Deputy Secretary of Defense, uh, current Secretary, uh, Deputy Defense Secretary Kathleen Hicks gives a number of reasons why the military is not able to recruit. COVID-19 made it difficult to get into schools, low unemployment. And and, and Hicks says that uh, this low unemployment makes military service unattractive. But is that really the issue?
2: No, uh, it is not the issue. There's a lot of pressure on what I believe are the core issues that uh, young men and women are willing to step up and, and say, here am I, send me, and serve in the uniform of this country. But uh, look, it's about a transcendent cause. And it may be multiple transcendent causes, but it is about a transcendent cause. And that is, it's about something bigger than they are individually. It's about being part of a team. It's about having an identity. And do you know how many young men in America today have no identity because they don't know who their father or maybe their mother was And uh, they're aimlessly wandering around trying to figure out who they are. But when they come into the military, they get an identity. It's a transcendent cause. And that is why, up to this point, uh, we have been totally successful in recruiting an all-volunteer military. Now that may change, as we are seeing, and you just mentioned, with the uh, problem recruiting. So, Is our military moving away from that
1: transcendent cause that appeals to people to commit their lives to something bigger than themselves?
2: I think it is, Tony. And I think uh, what we need to realize is that uh, young men and women both come in not only for the transcendent cause, but they also come in largely because they... They feel that it is their patriotic duty. Well, that patriotism is being infringed right now uh, by all of the woke training that's going on in our military, all the time that's being wasted, not preparing for war, but time that is being wasted on things that make no sense to them. How does this help me to be a better soldier, sailor, airman, marine? How does this help me to close with and destroy the enemy? And the answer is very obvious. It doesn't. It doesn't. And they are seeing this happening. And therefore, a lot of people, and I talk to a lot of them, they're saying, I just can't do it. I just, I don't want to be part of that. I I would have come in five years ago, but I don't want any part of this.
1: But you and I both have spoken to, uh, and and I know you're in more contact than I am with uh, current military members. I still talk to some young men uh, that are currently serving in our nation's military, and the point being that that transcendent cause runs very deep in the nature and the ideals of America. Even though it is under assault by, by the left and even those in control of our military today, but it, 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 it has deep roots. And that's what gives me hope that there are still men and women, despite what's happening, that are going into our military for the right reasons to serve. And that tells me that there is a future we can write this ship of state.
2: I sat down in my office there yesterday with a young man that was at one time was one of our interns. And, uh, and during that period that he was there, he uh, as an intern for us with, for six months, he, he made the decision that he was going in the military and he, and he followed through with that. And he came into the army and he's already been through part of his training. But his big question was me for me was how do I live my faith? What can I do? What should I not do? He wanted he wanted almost a training manual on on how to be a Christian in the military. But nonetheless, his enthusiasm for what he was about to do uh, was high. And so you're right there. There's still a lot of enthusiasm. But one of the things that is stopping people is moms and dads, moms and dads that are paying very close attention to what's going on in the military and they don't like what they see. And as a result of that, they're talking them out of it. And and I've talked to all numbers of uh, fathers and mothers that have done just that. We will come back, Tony. This nonsense, though, this nonsense, we're going to get a commander in chief. I don't know who it's going to be. We're going to get a commander in chief, I think, that is going to care about and understand our military. And he's going to be willing to do what is essential to them being able to perform their primary mission, which is to, to... uh, win the nation's wars, and I think that that's the what we need to keep hoping for. Let's hold on, you and I and others like us, veterans. Uh, we need to do the very best we can to give these young people that are already in or are thinking about going in uh, encouragement to do just that. Because nothing lasts forever, and and so I think that what we're going through right now is can be. Uh, It goes right back to the White House in terms of uh, how much do you care about what they are doing? How much do you care about what's happening to our military? And how important is it for you, Mr. Commander in Chief, for these people to be ready to fight the nation's wars? And we've got a lot more enemies, real enemies today, than we had when I was in the military.
1: I know back in uh, 2016, you and I actually had that conversation with uh, then-candidate Donald Trump. About our military and, and the things that needed to be addressed, in particular, the ability to live out your faith and how that was under assault, and, and for those that go in, if they're strong in their faith and willing to live out their faith and, and suffer the consequences if they do, I think that's what's needed to to preserve this uh, the, the, the very foundations of our military because if not, if we go to uh, if we lose this volunteer force, and we end up having to, uh, to draft. We, we, we,
2: we end up with like a mercenary force. Listen, I, I, I came in in uh, really in 91. And I saw, I was there when they uh, changed the recruiting to an all volunteer army. And I will tell you, uh, I saw an immediate change in terms of the caliber of people that we were bringing in and filling the ranks with. and, and, unquestionably, they were all proud to be Americans. Well, one of the problems we've got to be real careful about, and we've got to turn this around too, the first opportunity we get is the greatest sacrifice that has ever been made for America, just for America, is the blood of the young men and women that have served in uniform. And we don't teach history. So we've got a generation that comes along that doesn't know the history. They don't know how these people have served in foreign wars on foreign lands and sacrificed their lives in many cases and and won uh, you know the medal of honor and other uh, awards similar to that so we need to get back to teaching that and there needs to be every american needs to be proud of what has what this nation has done in terms of defending our allies but also defending america no. and we don't teach history the way we should.
1: You're right. No no nation has done what we have done for the world in terms of protecting others and asking nothing in return. And you're right. We need to know that history because we also need to know the high price of freedom. Mm -hmm. General Jerry Boykin, always great to see you. Thanks so much for joining us today. Good to be with you. All right, folks, coming up next on this Memorial Day edition, I'll be joined by Dr. John Wilsey, Associate Professor of Church History and philosophy at. Southern Baptist Theological Seminary. That's next here on Washington Watch. Not go away.
0: Everything we do begins as an idea. Before there can be acts of courage, there must be the belief that some things are worth sacrificing for. Before there can be marriage, there is the idea that man should not be alone. Before there was freedom, there was the idea that individuals are created equal. It's true that all ideas have consequences, but we're less aware that all consequences are the fruit of ideas. Before there was murder, there was hate. Before there was a holocaust, there was the belief by some people that other people are undesirable. Our beliefs determine our behavior, and our beliefs about life's biggest questions determine our worldview. Where did I come from? Who decides what is right and wrong? What happens when I die? Our answers to these questions explain why people see the world so differently. Debates about abortion are really disagreements about where life gets its value. Debates over sexuality and gender and marriage are really disagreements about whether the rules are made by us or for us. What we think of as political debates are often much more than that. They are disagreements about the purpose of our lives and the source of truth. As Christians, our goal must be to think biblically about everything. Our goal is to help you see beyond red and blue, left and right, to see the battle of ideas at the root of it all. Our goal is to equip Christians with a biblical worldview and help them advance and defend the faith in their families, communities, and the public square. Cultural renewal doesn't begin with campaigns and elections. It begins with individuals turning from lies to truth. But that won't happen if people can't recognize a lie and don't believe truth exists. We want to help you see the spiritual war behind the political war, the truth claims behind the press release in the forest and the trees.
1: Welcome back to Washington Watch. I'm Tony Perkins, your host. Thanks for joining us for this uh, special Memorial Day edition of Washington Watch. I I ran out of time in the last segment with uh, General Boykin, but I did want to mention this one a policy issue that is really affecting our military, and it's how the DOD is um, embracing abortion, the expansion of abortion. And as you know, we've had on the program before Senator Tommy Tuberville of Alabama, who's taking a strong stand, making them go through the regular order to promote, to confirm promotions of flag officers. And, uh, and he's coming under tremendous pressure, but he's doing it because the military unilaterally expanded abortion within the ranks. And so uh, funding it with your tax dollars, by the way. So if you'd like to send a message of support to him by communicating with Mitch McConnell, the Republican leader in the Senate, encouraging him to stand with Senator Tuberville, here's what I'd like you to do. Just text DOD, that's Department of Defense, DOD, just those three letters, DOD to 67742. That's DOD to 67742. You'll get a link. Sign that petition And we're going to deliver that to uh, Mitch McConnell. So the idea of America as a city upon a hill with a special place in history has captured the American imagination since the origin of our country. As Christians who serve an eternal kingdom, how does our patriotic American identity and our call to civic engagement couple with our faith? Well, joining me now to discuss this is Dr. John Wilsey. He's the associate professor of church history and philosophy at Southern Baptist Theological Seminary, as well as the author of American Exceptionalism and Civil Religion, Reassessing the History of an Idea. Dr. Wilsey, welcome to Washington Watch. Thanks so much for joining us. Thanks so much for having me. It's a great honor to be with you. So, uh, Dr. Wilson, you've traced the historical development of exceptionalism all the way back to John Winthrop's words to his fellow colonists in 1630 that they would establish a city upon a hill. You write, quote, the idea that Americans are a people especially chosen by God and given a destiny fulfill, to fulfill by him has endured since colonial days. So how do you see the idea of American exceptionalism influencing our nation ever since?
3: That's a big question. I'll try to simplify it. Um, The idea that America is special, that that America is different, that it's unique, has been an idea that has animated every generation of Americans going back to the earliest days of the founding, consistently, all the way through to today. Now, having said that, American exceptionalism has been understood in different ways in different times. But the idea that America is different and special and unique has held for all those generations.
1: What is the connection between this holding of American exceptionalism and the Christian faith?
3: Yeah, that's a great question. Um, historically, those who have, um, advocated for love of country in America have always done so in the context of Christianity, Protestant Christianity, predominantly. Uh, that's not to say that Catholics and Jews and other faiths have not had something to say about it, but predominantly in American history, Protestant Christianity has been the lens through which people have seen their patriotism. Sometimes they've seen that patriotism in, you know, Inappropriate ways, and even idolatrous ways, uh, but but also people have seen patriotism as a set of you know ordered loves, as ordered love, uh, that our love for our country is a virtue, a Christian virtue, and a good gift that God has given us, and that's what I think is best about the uh, tradition of American exceptionalism.
1: So can can you can America hold on to that idea of exceptionalism? If we lose the understanding of of, of God, of, of the vibrant religious freedom that we've had in this country?
3: It's more challenging for sure. I don't think you have to be a pro- Protestant Christian to hold to, uh, you know, an ordered love, a rightly ordered love of country. You don't have to believe in God. You don't even have to believe, be a theist. Um, but you do have to um, believe in eternal truth. You do have to believe in permanent things. And you do have to have a high view of uh, of religion and the benefits that religion gives you in a society, but, at but, least. Well, right there, just
1: what you just laid out would be incompatible with what we're seeing in in the legacy media, what we're seeing in the the ideology being driven by some of the uh, institutions of higher learning in our nation today. Oh, agreed, agreed. Uh, The more
3: that religion, God, but permanent things are undermined in institutions like the media, the government, big business, uh, big tech, uh, the more unsustainable it is to have any kind of love for country at all. If if our understanding of America is that it is an experiment in depravity, from the from the very beginning, such as what the sixteen nineteen project wants to you know put forward, then what is there to love about America? There's there's no real basis then for love of country if the country is not seen as being worthy
1: of love. So it's well, very cons- well. Then then Dr. Wilson, we just become another nation. And and, yes. and and just another nation does not do the things that America has done to benefit the world. Yeah. And that's why history education is
3: so important. And it has to start in the home. It has to start with uh, parents, um, you know, teaching children how to think uh, about their history and about their faith in an integrated way.
1: Well, we're, we're almost up against a break. And so I, I, I hesitate to, 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 to drop another question on you because you couldn't answer. Uh, but you're going to stick with us in the, uh, the next sem- segment. We're going to continue this discussion about American exceptionalism. And, and I, I, I want you to, well, I'm, I'm going to drop this question on you and let you think uh, about it during the break. And that is, if we lose this idea of American exceptionalism, can we sustain the America that we know today and are our freedoms that we enjoy and that we protect for others around the world are those at risk. So that's what we're going to talk about next folks. Our conversation with Dr. John Wilsey continues on the other side of the break on this special Memorial day edition of Washington watch. So stick with us. And in the meantime, you can check out the website, TonyPerkins.com and, uh, Take advantage of the resources there. All right, don't go away. We're coming back right after this.
4: All of us are born with the desire to find truth and meaning. Where did I come from? What happens when I die? While our answers to these questions may divide us, we are united in our need for the freedom to answer life's biggest questions and make life's biggest decisions for ourselves. That's why religious freedom matters for everyone. Religious freedom matters because the powerful have long wanted to control those who are less powerful. Religious freedom matters because the freedom of those who are different is often threatened by those who believe different is dangerous. Leah Cherubu, a Christian teenager in Nigeria, remains a captive of Boko Haram for her refusal to renounce her Christian faith. Chinese pastor Wang Yi is serving a nine-year sentence for speaking publicly against the Chinese government. In Pakistan, Asif Purvaez is on death row for allegedly sending a blasphemous text message. All of this because people in power decided different is dangerous. the Center for Religious Liberty at Family Research Council. We promote religious freedom for everyone because the only alternative is religious freedom for no one. We encourage Americans and the American government to engage and advocate for the persecuted, and they do. We work every day to bring good news to the afflicted, to proclaim liberty to captives and freedom to prisoners. We do it. that's what jesus does we work to give freedom to others because we ourselves have been set free
1: to this Memorial Day edition of Washington Watch. So good to have you with us. The website, TonyPerkins.com. All right, I'm continuing my conversation with Dr. John Wilsey. He's the Associate Professor of Church History and Philosophy at Southern Baptist Theological Seminary, and he's the author of American Exceptionalism and Civil Religion, Reassessing the History of an Idea. All right, I left you with a question at the break. What happens if we lose this idea of American exceptionalism?
3: In short, we lose America. That sounds dramatic, but it's true. We lose America. What is essential to Americanness is freedom freedom as it's defined in the Declaration of Independence, the Constitution, the Bill of Rights, other great documents like the Gettysburg Address, Lincoln's Second Inaugural Address, Washington's Farewell Address. Um, freedom is always known by Americans as ordered, ordered liberty, freedom under just law. And that is one of the things that makes America exceptional. If we lose the concept of American exceptionalism, then I believe we will lose that concept of ordered liberty because we've lost something in our tradition that has been handed down to us by our forefathers and foremothers, going all the way back to the founding of the nation? I think it's a it's a very important question. Let me say one other thing before we move on to something else. I'm very fond of Alexis de Tocqueville and his book, Democracy in America. And In that book, he says that Americans have maintained a harmony between what he called the spirit of religion and the spirit of freedom. And he said that in his native France, they were not able to maintain that harmony, but in America, they did. And I think the great cause of Americans in our generation today is to preserve America, preserve American freedom by preserving that harmony that has always existed in America between the spirit of freedom and the
1: spirit of religion. Could that harmony also sometimes be described as tension? It can be. Uh, when the nation goes uh, off
3: the rails, for example, and is guilty of injustice, then then it is up to religious people to call the nation back to uh, to its founding ideals, to call it to righteousness. Uh, but that's part of the harmony, too. The fact that we have the freedom to do that in this country is essential to what it means to be an American.
1: But there are some that do not want to see you and I exercise that understanding in, in fact, I have no doubt, no doubt that our conversation is going to be characterized as advancing Christian nationalism uh, because we're talking about American exceptionalism. How, how would you respond to that?
3: Yeah, the way I would respond to that is if if, if that is Christian nationalism, if what Alexis de, Alexis de Tocqueville described as the harmony between spirit of religion and spirit of freedom in America is Christian nationalism, then you know what? Call me a Christian nationalist. Uh I I don't think that that's something that we should be afraid of. Christian nationalism is a very uh, complex uh, historical and contemporary topic, Uh, and it has to be precisely defined. Um, But if that's the definition of what a Christian nationalist is, then count me in.
1: Well, as you know, it's being used as a pejorative to try to drive Christians from public engagement. So given the context of what Scripture says, of what history says— the environment in which we currently live, how should Christians be governance engaged while also serving the greater kingdom, the eternal kingdom? Christians should see
3: their calling as being to, um, as Jeremiah 29 talks about, uh, of of seeking the good of the city to which you will go. Uh, Jeremiah said that to the exiles as they were going off to, uh, to Babylon. Seek the good of the city. Um, Seek the good of your community. Seek the good of your fellows. Um, Be involved in voluntary associations. Uh, Be involved as much as possible in local politics. And as as the Lord has gifted you to do so, Uh, we have a responsibility. We have a stewardship of our communities that we're that we're charged with, starting at the very bottom, but working our way all the way up to uh, to the federal level. We should see uh, we should see our Nation and our communities as an inheritance that has been delivered to us faithfully by our forebears, and we need to see our responsibility as delivering something to our children uh, that is consistent with what we have been given, that stretches all the way back to the to the founding.
1: We we just have about a minute left, Doctor Wilsey. But from your studies of history, as you wrote your book, what examples jump out? Uh, of what you've just described? Well, I think that the most um,
3: quintessential American, the person that I, uh, personifies American exceptionalism, probably more than any other American, is Abraham Lincoln. Abraham Lincoln understood the crisis that he was in the midst of, that he was born into. He understood uh, that God uh, was not uh, blind to the American condition and that the circumstances that they were facing in his time uh, were from God and that we had lessons to learn from God. Abraham Lincoln should be studied and Abraham Lincoln should be seen as the quintessential American, in my view.
1: Mm, Very interesting. Uh, Dr. John Wilsey, thank you so much for taking time out to join us today. Very, very enlightening and uh, encouraging conversation. Thank you very much for having me. All right. And, uh, Folks, to find out more, in fact, how you get a copy of his book, go to TonyPerkins.com, and there are links there on today's program. All right, coming up next, another reason to be encouraged is that over the last decade and a half, thousands of men and women of faith have been elected to office, all the way from school boards to Congress. And they're now advancing policy that is opening the door to faith in the public square again. We're going to talk with one of those leaders next here on Washington Watch. State Representative Valerie Hodges joins me next. Don't go away. It begins here and here and here every day. Before you stand, you need solid ground. Standing in a culture that wants you to surrender the truth won't work unless you have a firm foundation. At Family Research Council, we have that firm foundation, and you can find us standing. We stand for the value of all human life. We stand for the right of families to flourish. And every day, we stand for your freedom to believe and to live out those beliefs both at home and abroad. We work with government officials, educating them on the issues from a biblical worldview. And when necessary, we hold them accountable. We equip Christians across America to be informed and to take action in their communities. With our daily radio program, television appearances, and vast online presence, we reach people where they are. We envision an America where all human life is valued, families flourish, and religious liberty thrives. And that won't be realized if we're not standing. Stand for faith. Stand for family. Stand for freedom. Stand with us at FRC. I'm often asked by people, Tony, how do you stay encouraged? How do you deal with all of the stuff in Washington, DC, the negative policies that are attacking our faith, our family, and our freedoms? Well, you want me to let you in on the secret? It's called the Word of God. And that is why the Family Research Council embarked on Stand on the Word, a two-year journey through the Bible. It's a chronological Bible reading plan with just 10 to 15 minutes a day. In two years, you will have covered the entire Bible. And to go along with this, Monday through Friday, I do a morning devotional that goes along with the reading of the day. It's all designed to encourage you on this journey because the Word of God, as the psalmist said, in my affliction, here's my comfort. Your Word gives me life. That is our source of strength. To find out more, go to TonyPerkins.com or FRC.org slash Bible. And I invite you to join me every morning for our Stand on the Word
0: Bible Devotion.
4: This fall, believers from across
0: America will gather in our nation's capital. We'll hear from government leaders, policy experts, and leading Christian voices, learning how we can engage in government at every level, from local school boards to state legislatures to Congress and even the White House, to win back the soul of our nation. Join with us for the Pray, Vote, Stand Summit, Believe and Engage, September 15th through 17th. Register now at prayvotestand.org.
1: Welcome back to this special Memorial Day edition of Washington Watch. Thanks so much for joining us. Be sure and check out the website, TonyPerkins.com. And uh, just a couple of reminders coming up this, uh, this coming weekend in Houston, Texas, we'll have our Stand Courageous Men's Conference. Now, it's, it's filling up quickly, but there's still room for you if you'd like to join us. It is Saturday, June the 3rd. Find out more, go to TonyPerkins.com, or you can go to StandCourageous.com, and General Jerry Boykin will be there. Former Fire Chief of Atlanta, Kelvin Cochran, will be there, along with a host of uh, others, Stu Weber, former Promise Keepers uh, speaker and author. So that's at First Baptist Church this coming uh, Saturday, Stand Courageous Men's Conference, so be sure and check that out. Well, one of the reasons I'm encouraged Now I know the backdrop is dark, but you know what? I see a light shining. We're seeing Christians elected to offices at every level throughout the country. They are, and and, and they're not just getting elected to hold a spot, they are seizing the moment, passing laws that open the door once again to the public expression of faith in this country. And I'm telling you, this gives me hope for the future. Because we're going to ex- what this is what what's happening in our culture what's been happening in our country is to try to to box in religion within the four walls of its church and quarantine it so that it can't influence and have its transformational effect which is what Christianity does. Well, as these men and women get elected to office and they are not hiding their faith but they're living by their faith they're making a difference. Now, I just wanted you to consider the actions of just a few state legislatures. This year, just this year, uh, Texas introduced uh, legislation to post Ten Commandments in the schools, in classrooms, the Ten Commandments. I mean, when we have such unrest and lawlessness in our country, maybe that's a good idea. Maybe we go back to, to posting the Ten Commandments. There are also... Uh, Moving to put chaplains in schools. You know, you look at the mental health issues. And, of course, you look at what uh, many of these guidance counselors are doing with the LGBTQ agenda. I mean, they're they're taking it straight on. Same thing in Oklahoma. School chaplains. Kentucky, religious freedom for public school teachers that allow teachers to pray and even read scripture. Florida law to allow public prayer before high school football games. I mean, and that's just a sampling. That's encouraging. Now, on this program, I love to provide you the opportunity to hear for yourself, for yourself directly from Christian men and women who are in public office. They are in the, re- the arena, and they are living out their faith. And I've learned that uh, many Christians have no idea that there are so many leaders, both in Washington and in state houses throughout the country, who are bold in their faith. This is because the legacy media doesn't want you to know that. Because why? Because if you know that your vote and your advocacy was making a difference, you would be inclined to do even more of it. And that's what this is. This is the result of Christians getting involved in government, praying, voting, standing, and running for office. We are electing and increasing the number of Christian elected officials working to restore America's identity, as we were discussing earlier with Dr. Wilsey. Well, joining me now to discuss this is one of those leaders, State Representative Valerie Hodges from Louisiana. She represents the 64th District of Louisiana, and that number sounds very familiar because that was my seat that I held at one time. Representative Hodges, uh, welcome to Washington Watch.
5: Hi, Tony. Thank you for having me.
1: Now, um, you fit the picture of what I just described someone who was led to run for public office because of your faith, and you've not hidden your
5: faith. That's right. I have not. And I am, you would be very pleased, Tony. It's very different from when you were here before, when there were very few people who would openly. Profess their faith, and now I would say the majority of people in this legislature are not ashamed to say they're Christians. They're they're not ashamed to stand up for their faith, and it's past time. It's way past time that we do that. When prayer was removed out of schools, and the Bible was removed, I think people are seeing the end result of that—that that it was not good. And so, um, we know that we have to take some steps.
1: Well, and you've taken some of those even in this session of uh, the legislature in Louisiana. You've authored authored legislation that would authorize public high schools in Louisiana to offer a course of instruction in the history and the literature of the Bible.
5: That's right. Well, because I I did it because the Bible is the most published book in the world, and it contains um, 6,000 years of history so what it do, my bill does it authorizes teaching the bible as literature and history and what better book uh, could we get our history from it's got the most history in the world and so our our laws that we have in the united states um, our culture art so much is encapsulated in the bible and it's very important my bill right now it authorizes it for grade 9 through 12 and i think that's the first step that we can get the Bible into the hands of students to actually understand what what the Bible is about.
1: Right. I, I introduced that about 25 years ago. I think I had uh, similar legislation. And of course, the the whole school uh, lobby was up in arms and, and they ended up negotiating to to allow it in. And some schools had it. We never changed the laws. They just adopted it by rule. Of course, that didn't last very long, but this is a voluntary course. It's an elective. We're not forcing this on anyone. And so this is for kids who would want it. But you know what? Curiosity will draw some kids into this. And you're right. You really cannot understand American history and who America is. And as we were talking earlier in the program about American exceptionalism, you really can't understand that without an understanding of scripture.
5: No, you can't. And even our Declaration of Independence, Tony, the very first in the preamble, it's talking about a creator and acknowledges the creator. And so... A lot of the kids, I, I heard a statistic, uh, teenagers, 90% of teenagers have never read their Bible in this in this new cult, new um, generation that we have. And so they don't have a reference point of what creator are we talking about? And our founding fathers were referencing the Bible. We know that. And I, I think it's so important. I, I wish we could make it from K through 12, but we'll just do one step at a time. And I really hope to see uh, schools adopting this, teachers, teaching this because there's been a lot of confusion in the schools that I've gone around talking to teachers. There's, oh, no, separation of church and state. We can't do that. And I'm like, no, you can do that. So that was one of the impetus for me filing the bill is to clear up any confusion. The Supreme Court ruled that that schools can teach the Bible in public schools and private schools. And so that's what I'm hoping this bill does, will clear up any confusion and encourage schools to adopt this course and teachers to teach it.
1: Is there a sense that lawlessness is so widespread, our problems are so significant that we need something, and so people are willing to return to that which we actually tried before and, and did work until we kicked God out of our schools, out of the public square?
5: I, I believe there is, Tony. I believe people are realizing that this, the, the generation of children that we see coming up who desperately need hope, after um, what we saw with COVID and that caused so much PTSD and and kids need to be given hope. And I I believe there's no better source that they can get than through the the word of God in the Bible. Obviously, my um, my bill authorizes it teaching as literature and history, but hopefully they will glean other things as they study that and be introduced to the God of the Bible to introduce to. The God that our founding fathers referenced in our Declaration of Independence, uh, various times. So I think people do realize that we are in a a, a spiral death spin. We just heard um, across the hall the it was they were trying to repeal the death penalty, and one of the because of the massive amount of crime that we are experiencing, so we're having to make stiffer penalties. And there seems to be such a callousness. The stories we heard about that about. Cold blooded murder that's happening so many places. Um, certainly, I believe taking God out of school, the the Bible, removing prayer, that has helped foster that that sense of you know there's no meaning in life.
1: And of course, the, the legacy media scoffs at that idea that somehow religion is the the, the answer. And, and in fact, they lump all this. It's it's interesting to see the AP and others write about this that this and of course they're always taking the The ACLU and and those who are opposed to religion in the public square, they're they're, they're highlighting them in their stories, uh, labeling this as Christian nationalism, uh, that this is just – this is the result of Christian nationalism. We've got a a right-leaning court that's opened the door for the first time in 50 years, uh, turning religion and the the whole wall of separation on its head. My – My take on it is that we've got a court that's actually restored what we once had in this country when we didn't have to to worry about walking out of our homes and being mugged or shot. I mean, what the left has tried for the last 50 years has been a dismal failure. And so I thank God for lawmakers like you that are now in the ranks that are not afraid to take the flack from the leftist in the media, and pushing forward with what we have proven to work.
5: Absolutely. Absolutely, Tony. Because when you look at the statistics on crime before the 1960s, it was nothing like it is now. And so there's, I think there's a, a plausible explanation that can be found. And when you stop, stop talking about morality, and you, you just don't hear that, that word anymore, but where, where do we get our morality from? We get our morality from the Bible. And that is so important that, you know, I was talking to um, a group last night. We were talking about the, the murder rates, the, uh, all of the crime rates and homelessness and all this that what we're seeing. Well, we used to teach that stealing is a sin. And I, I know we're not right now. I'm not talking about my, my Bible, Bill, but, you know, that fact that things were immoral and you're, you get laughed at if you use that word anymore, but I think it's, it's becoming apparent that there is a, a crisis of, of morality in our nation and we've got to restore that. And I appreciate what you do, Tony, in bringing your listeners together to stand for people who, who are not ashamed to stand in that, in, in their faith, <clears throat> excuse me, in their faith and to stand for morality.
1: As you mentioned, it, it's, it's been uh actually 20 years since uh, I left uh, the seat that you now hold. And it was different back then. I remember having meetings of pastors, bringing them for the first time into the Capitol to uh, to simply pray. And now they have a much stronger presence there in our Capitol. In fact, many, many pastors are now holding office there in the legislature. Do you get a sense that uh, your fellow legislators, believers, uh, True followers of Christ are are emboldened now in their
5: faith. I do, Tony, and and I want to say thank you because you laid the groundwork for that to happen. I remember meeting in those in those um, in the Capitol in those prayer meetings and praying for God to raise up Christian leaders. And I remember at one point you saying we were going to believe for twelve Christian uh, people to serve in the legislature. And that was your goal to have 12. And now I believe we have, you know, a, a whole lot more than that. I'm not going to put a number on it, but there are a lot more than that. And I believe you laid the groundwork through your, your faith, through what you were believing for and what you did in the prayers and the, the example that you set. So um, I am very excited to see, I would say the majority of the people that I work with right now that I serve with on both sides are, are really believers. And not not everyone, but there is a uh, just like, for instance, there was not one vote against my bill. My bill passed unanimously. My Bible bill, uh, HB 68, passed unanimously. There was not a vote against it. And so that that says a lot to have bipartisan support of people realizing how important this is.
1: It is. Uh, that, that, that absolutely is. So Louisiana is, uh, you know, after I left uh, the term limits and so. Uh, we're seeing a number of actually kind of the second, almost the second iteration of term limits. A lot of new people will be coming into uh, to government because we have elections uh, in Louisiana in uh, this coming fall. Uh, what do you see in terms of those coming into office? Is it, Are we seeing more Christians being called into these ranks, more Christians willing to get involved and run for office?
5: I believe so. Um, I just know about the ones that are. Um, around in my area, I I have personal knowledge of their faith and I know that they're Christians. Um, As you know, I'm running for Senate and hope to get over on the other side to the Senate because a lot of times that's where good bills go to die. Historically for me, that's where if they wanted to kill my bills, then they would send it to Jude B or Jude C. And what I believe with this election that's coming up in October, what I hope to see is have some of those people who have killed a lot of really good bills they won't be serving anymore because of term limits. And then we, we're going to have a lot of House members that I serve with, like Blake Miguez, Alan Seaball, who are dedicated believers who hopefully I'll be serving over there with them. And we can really make a difference because the Senate has held up a lot of things that should have passed. Like today, they killed a bill um, that was a very good bill, but it was it was um, killed by some Republicans that joined with the Democrats. And it should not have it, that bill should not have died. But. I believe, next year that we have an election in October, hopefully we'll see things shift in the Senate as well.
1: Yeah. Well, it's encouraging uh, because it's happening all across uh, the country. Valerie, thanks so much for taking time to uh, to join us today. And thank you for your leadership there in uh, the Louisiana House.
5: Thank you, Tony. We appreciate Uh, you very much. Thank you.
1: State Representative Valerie Hodges from District 64 in uh, Louisiana. Well, you know, the Lord may be calling you to run for office. You need to pray. You need to be a part of the solution. Don't just complain about what's happening in our nation. Be a part of solving the problem by bringing truth, by bringing light to the darkness. Well, thank you so much for joining us on this Memorial Day edition of Washington Watch. Until next time, I leave you with the encouraging words of the Apostle Paul found in Ephesians 6, where he says, when you've done everything you can do, when you've prayed, when you've prepared, and when you've taken your stand. By all means, keep standing.
0: Washington Watch with Tony Perkins is brought to you by Family Research Council and is entirely listener-supported. Portions of the show discussing candidates are brought to you by Family Research Council Action.